The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Hey Rockheads, it's the .NET Rocks Visual Studio 2010 Road Trip with guest Dustin Campbell, recorded live in Houston, Texas, Monday, April 26, 2010. Carl and Richard are hitting 15 cities in three weeks, recording a new show every day. Follow them in real time online at .netrocks.com slash roadtrip. The .NET Rocks Visual Studio 2010 Road Trip is brought to you by a handful of sponsors, including the following gold sponsor, Telerik. Deliver more than expected online at www.telerik.com. Preemptive Solutions, powered by Runtime Intelligence, online at preemptive.com. And Redgate Software, ingeniously simple tools, online at red-gate.com. Special support is being provided by the Microsoft Visual Studio team, the Windows Phone 7 team, and the Bing team who developed the Road Trip Tracker application in Silverlight 4. And now, here's Carl and Richard interviewing Dustin Campbell in Houston, Texas. Hey, Houston! Welcome to .NET Rock! Holy crap, look at that crowd. Got- I can't even see the guy in the last row. <laughs> he looks like a speck. <laughs> I gotta Good love Lord. Houston. This hey, is, Houston it. is so awesome. We love Houston. Yeah! <laughs> oh. Okay, right. that's our show. Thank you very much. You've been- <laughs> Guys have been great. You've been great. We're, uh, we're here at the Microsoft office in Houston, Texas mm-hmm. on our sixth show of the .NET Rocks Road Trip, here to talk to Mr. Dustin Campbell. Mr. Dustin. Hi. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> it was my best up, you know, chance at being, you know, yeah, kind of, you oh, no, hey guys. <laughs> Sound like a 13-year-old. Yeah, it's sorry. that It's good, yeah. No, I was kidding. trying for that. Well, and, and the funny part is you've never been on the show before, which is really a sin, it's, I have to admit. It is, Richard. <laughs> it's a sin. And I actually wanted to use this as a forum to talk to you about that. Why about have I not been on never the show, on the show yet? Before. I don't know. My, usually We're my, friends. Yeah, we get along. Oh, we get along. More, yeah, well, most a second time. ago, I was friends. We're yeah. friends. <laughs> I've, I've seen you before. So <laughs> I, I, would, I want to get in your history, but just for folks who don't know, what is it you do for a living? So uh, I work at Microsoft, which is why I have to start every sentence with the obligatory so. Yeah. <laughs> I work at Microsoft. I work on the Visual Studio Languages team. So I work on C Sharp, Visual Basic, F Sharp, Iron Ruby, Iron Python, and the Dynamic Language Runtime. That's what my team owns. Um, 
I primarily work on, I guess, the language integration pieces. So mm-hmm. part of the team, there's compilers. That's where Anders is and all the, that kind of think tank on mm-hmm. the language side. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of that language coin is actually integrating into Visual Studio, what fills up IntelliSense, what fills up the autos window, um, everything in Visual Studio that where the language kind of peeks through. That usually I've had a hand somewhere in that. So are you responsible for common and all? Um, so yes, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I love my job. Yeah. I love my common job. and all. Um, I'm not responsible for the feature common and all, but okay. I did have the thankless program manager task of figuring out what went into common and all mm-hmm. in this release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been the that that's been the source of a little confusion for us developers who want all. Sorry. And get common, I um, think. It's, but it's it, probably good for beginners. It's a historical problem with IntelliSense in general. IntelliSense yeah. has two major problems with it. And the first is that um, there's not enough being shown in IntelliSense. Mm-hmm. And the other is that there's too much being shown in IntelliSense, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a hard problem to solve. Yeah. So. Now, if you could just perfect the ESP control. That's right. Then you guys would have it made. Yeah. We can get that mind reading kind of. Get the mind. You know, yeah. it's it's coming close. You're not connecting the, the little diode things that go to your. your you obviously have yeah. never read Ray Kurzweil. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Well, yeah, it's coming. Soon. Yeah. So we've actually got a guy here for those, you know, who want to translate that who worked on the product. Here we are doing a Visual Studio tour. I actually have somebody who worked on Visual Studio. Crazy. That I like. Yeah, it's awesome. It's good. Uh, not bad. 2010. Yeah. Kind of like it. That's, That's great to hear. Cause it's good stuff. Yeah. And IntelliSense just keeps getting better. And the IntelliSense that you're working on is in the language features, not in the other editors, just in the language editor, like the C-sharp, VBNet, IronPython, so, whatever. Yeah, so we control what goes into the list. We don't own the, the IntelliSense window itself. That's owned mm. by the, the editor team, okay. uh, the guys that built the WPF editor that's in Visual Studio 2010. Mm. Um, we own kind of what goes in there, when it pops up, how it pops up, mm. um, and that sort of thing. So, and there's awesome. a whole, yeah. Well, it works great. Give them a hand for IntelliSense. Yay! I would argue that I would argue that Visual Studio is a thin wrapper around IntelliSense. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we buy it for IntelliSense, so that's why we don't use Notepad. Yeah, IntelliSense. Yeah, it makes every other developer on every other platform jealous when they see that. Yeah. You know, just well, it's not just the pop like ups. I think the other thing about what we just forget it that Studio does is this constantly checking, literally as you write your code line by line. I mean, those little squigglies—they don't come up by random by right. chance, right? right. Like you're compiling the code as we type it. In VB, it's in a VB. pure compilation. Yeah. In C sharp, there's squiggles in as well. The error squiggles show up. That's uh, kind of new to 2010. We released it in uh, Visual Studio 2008 Service Pack One for uh, for C sharp, um, and kind of completed it in Visual Studio 2010. But uh, that's more uh, parse tree based and uh, right. analysis there. But it's not a full compilation of the code. Like VB is literally compiling right. the code all the time. Yeah. All, yeah. all the time in the background. Yep. And then finding mistakes. I remember there's a story about the background compiler in the very first version of .NET, of Visual Studio, Visual Studio 1.0, that there was a bug in VB's background compiler where uh, it would just it had a memory leak or something. And uh, if you I'm had shocked. a really I'm big shocked. project, yeah, if you had a really big project, it was it would sort of get out of control. And uh, so therefore, you know, the C sharp. Back then, we actually really had wars between VB and C sharp people. Now we love each other and we go to lunch all, all the time. It's all kumbaya and hugs. It's all kumbaya. Yeah. Yep, because yeah. we learn from each other. And but back then, you know, the C sharp people were just just loving that they get oh, with the VB background compiler, it's so evil. Blah blah blah, because it had this bug. Well, you know, next version came out, it was fixed. Yeah, and it still rocks. I love the background compiler. 
Well, thanks. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's another know, great thing that you've done. Uh, I, <laughs> just give me credit for, uh, for all of the history of Visual Studio. And well, you're Visual the only Basic. one in the room, so yeah. just yeah. You, you win. You're a token of our affection at yeah. the moment. I'll take that. That's you represent fine. it all, but then you, you also represent all of the bugs. Oh. <laughs> oh. All the little, yeah. you know, the, I, I was yelling about this earlier, but compile any is evil. Yes, compile to any CPU. Instead it's, of x64 or, or, or x86. 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 Yeah. yeah, we were talking about this. We talked about this twice now. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, but I want it on the show because you actually agree that compile any is evil. Yeah. Because I've always thought, but my line has been when I've been doing presentations. <laughs> it's on like, this. my boss is going to kill oh, me. Man. I'm so. <laughs> compile any was an awesome feature when everybody was just using 32 bit. It worked awesome then. Yeah. Except as absolutely. long as you only ran it on 32 bit, there was no as problem. As long as all your customers ran 32 bit. Right. No problem yeah. at all. As soon as, as soon as you actually ran it on a 64 bit machine, you had problems. Does everybody here know what we're talking about? <laughs> the any CPU yeah. thing, yeah. right? So processor neutral assemblies. Yeah. yeah. Which sounds like a good idea. So, and that means that it runs mm. in an X64 process on an X64 machine. And an x86 process right. and an x86. Which, yeah. But the other way of describing that is I build my app on a 32 machine bit machine, I compile it to a 64 bit machine, it doesn't work. Right. So that's actually it, what happens. Well, in, in some cases, that is absolutely yeah. what happens. As um, long as it, yeah, if I write a program that actually does something, you know, there's a P invoke in it. Mm-hmm. There, I can think of a few word in 32 API calls it, or heaven forbid, maybe do database access. <laughs> Yeah, because then the drivers there's many applications that. Well, we've no been yeah, yeah, we've yeah. been talking about this on the road trip now for all all week, and that is that people need to understand the only time when they need to write a 64 bit application is when they need to address more than four gigs of RAM in their application. So if you can pass that test, you you should go to x64. But if not. There's no reason to. In fact, your app will run slower, and it'll uh, be there's, there's, you know, more problematic with that, right? I mean, the, the the fact that x64 apps run slower, yeah. Um, and then there's Visual Studio kind of sacrifices. It turns out because there are a few features that aren't supported on 64. Edit and continue. Edit and continue is a big feature yep. for VB, um, mm-hmm. and, and increasingly so for C sharp. Uh, yeah. The uh, the new IntelliTrace feature doesn't work yeah. on x64 yet um, yeah. in Visual Studio 2010. So, um, so yeah, so we switched everything, uh, almost everything, right? Uh, with any template, any project template that was in, that was uh, actually compiling to an exe, right? So some mm-hmm. executable application, we switched them to x86 by default. Right. Um, Good. So, so that, compile any as default is gone as of 2010. Well, no, it's not gone. Ah, uh, gone, gone. But I, I did go so far as to edit the profiles for C# Sharp and VB so that the little drop down for those x64, x86, any CPU, that's also not up there anymore. Oh, so, I see. So it's just not in your face anymore. You don't have to think about it. It's in the advanced compiler options buried somewhere nice. like it should be. Nice. Right. Um, so it's only if you really want to be 64 bit, yes. you will jump through the hoops to get there. Yes. That's but good. It, that's otherwise, smart. you're 32 bit. Yeah. So. yeah. That makes me happy. Doesn't I'm glad that makes you happy. Does that make you happy? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> I love Houston. That's, that's a relief. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, because I think the majority of people are building apps for, for business and mm-hmm. they just need them to work. You know, no matter what, just we don't need a lot of those other features. We yeah. want to keep, we're working a fairly narrow scope of effort and, and that. Mm-hmm. Setting alone is just one less thing to worry about. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I mean, x86 apps even run faster in the WoW layer on yeah, a 64-bit right. machine, right? right? I mean, WoW is very, very good. <laughs> Tell yeah. us about the WoW layer for those who don't know. Uh, the WoW layer, which is uh, what is it? Windows, Windows on, on Windows. Windows, right? And it's the uh, the the kind of thunking layer that gets uh, put in the middle of when um, when you're running a 32-bit app on x64 so that it it calls the APIs in the right ways. Mm. Um, so even in a 64-bit like, OS, a yeah. 32-bit app runs better. Yeah. Right better and part of it is in the wild layer there's pointer caching and a lot of other uh pieces in there that just make it much more efficient yeah 
Yeah. And and it's really when you need the RAM, not when you have big the files address space. that you're yeah the yeah. address space yeah the address space which is yeah. different than physical RAM yeah. right well I mean yeah. you don't it's not about disk space right yeah so. if you're writing big files you can manage the memory the way that you normally do but yeah. you know we're opening the door here to this whole conversation of why Studio isn't 64 bit <laughs> have we talked about this before on the show I, I we, hope so we, we've talked that... about this with Rico Mariani. Well, he knows much better than well, I. Well, he's the architect <laughs> right. of studio, right? But this week we haven't talked no, about it. It's, just we... been, I, it's hard to tell sometimes what we talk about in the RV versus what WhatsApp we talk about the on the show. Sorry about that. Yeah. But you want to have – you have a comment? Uh, the only comment that I have is that um, – I know I know that you talked about this on an earlier show, but, I mean, Visual Studio has a staggering amount of code in there. And to yes. put it to 64-bit, it would be a uh, major kind of committal of resources. Yeah, and I'm not sure it's worth the effort, right? Because so Office made it. That, that, that Office made it, um, but um, you know, I, 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 and, and they, they made it. But I think that one, the problem with that um, that I'm having with Office is that it comes to a decision point when I install. It's like, ooh, which one am I supposed to have? And yeah. Then yeah. It turns out there's a couple of features that aren't in the 64-bit one that are in the 32-bit one, and it actually becomes a. For me, it's become confusing. So, and by the way, yeah. uh, our first show that we did in Mountain View with Phil Hack, there's a correct. We have a correction. We do oh, have a correction. Right. Phil Hack uh, brought some statistics about Visual Studio 2010, and one of them was how many source files are in Visual Studio 2010. And the answer was one and a half million. But it turns out that that also includes all of the .NET framework. Yeah. So, so. that was it's just still a, a it's not big like they number. Together or anything. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> .NET 4 and Visual Studio one and a half million source files. Over a quarter million directories. All, all yeah. big chunk of it C++. Yeah. 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 It's interesting how much of Studio is actually managed versus uh, native. It, it depends on, on the various components. I mean, some of this, you know, the, the, you know, like the things that Phil's working on, right, are all, all managed, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, some of the things that have been there for a long time are still native. Uh, and the com say, stuff. Like, yeah, the com stuff. Interestingly, yeah. the VBIDE's code base is kind of in a half kind of managed native world probably about i would say like 30 to 40 percent of it is managed right now wow. there's some major components that are that are managed Did it's v- probably probably i'm probably being generous probably like more than do you remember if people from the vb6 team team came to work on vbnet um they did some yeah. people did but uh because they were all c plus plus developers yeah at the everybody's time, yeah. you know everybody's a c plus plus developer right. isn't everybody here a c plus plus developer yeah or you like me and you're like i don't want to learn that old man language <laughs> no. Hey, your kids get off my lawn! Get off my lawn! Get off my, my pointers alone! Yeah. We had pointers and we liked it! I'm kidding. I... <laughs> we use pointers to pointers to pointers to pointers! No, 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 wait a minute. We ship C. I gotta be careful of what I say. Uh, large customer base of C users, and I, I should be. And, and a big chunk of those customers are Microsoft employees. I mean, uh, you yeah, guys it's... build development tools and, and operating systems, and less stuff's largely written in C. Absolutely. But it's this interesting part of how much of that tool could ultimately be built, be built in managed code. Right? It's always going to be a line, which means actually you guys are like the kings of interop. Yes, we are the kings of interop. We were talking about that earlier, right? So especially in this release, right, um, since the language services are mostly in native code, because I, mean, the, I said the VB1 was probably in the maybe 25 30% range managed code, uh, and C sharp has some managed code in it, but it's 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 less. I, I would, I would uh, mm. venture to guess. Um, and so most of it's native. But now there's this big managed text editor that we're talking to all the time. So we're constantly crossing over into the com interop land. Mm. And have found many embarrassing bugs that 
I don't know if we want to talk about it, but <laughs> Richard's looking at me like, please talk about it. Oh, yeah. Why not? Yeah, if, if right. want, just talk about the ones you fixed. How about that? Oh, we'll talk. oh excellent. So one we Good. fixed. It's but but some of them were just embarrassing. It's like, because, I mean, these were shipped for many, many years. And it's like, oh. They're fixed now. And I feel like apologizing, you know. But um, <laughs> but truthfully, you know, some of these bugs probably very few had run into. And, and some of them, you know, weren't bugs, but, you know, the the in, it maybe were at the time by design and, and needs changed. Uh, but a good example would be um, in Visual Studio, now our com interrupt story is very often native code going to managed code, which is kind of the opposite of what com interop was optimized for, mm. right? It was optimized for when, you know, CLR 1.0, com interop is optimized for managed going with your legacy components, right? right. So mm-hmm. managed going to native works really fast. Turns out the really slow com interop is native to managed. So we had to work on that. We had to get that a little bit more performant. Um, but also we found bugs that were, and the particular is the VB background compiler when I was, when I was talking to you guys earlier about where, um, the VB background compiler does some, you know, crazy native juju to make, you know, itself talk back to the UI thread. It posts a message to the UI thread's message loop and says, Hey, I've done my, you know, my analysis. Feel free to, you know, refresh the editor with these error squiggles and refresh the task list when mm. this message gets handled. Okay. So mm. basic kind of, you know, what we did to synchronize threads back in the day. Um, and so it turned out that there's a uh, a design decision. Um, <laughs> that was, that was the audible manager, equivalent uh, of quotes, yeah, by the way. It's, it's called program manager spin. Yeah. That's what we call that. So, uh, you air quoted verbally. I like I, that. Yeah, you air quoted verbally. It's a design decision. Design um, decision. That, uh, well, effectively, when you, when it, you called down through uh, native code and it interrupted into managed code, there were certain conditions that seemed random but were part of this design decision that um, – it would just kind of freeze all the threads and just pump all the messages everywhere. Yeah, we meant uh, to do that. Yeah, we meant so. So what stop happened? Stop everything. Was, pump yeah, messages. Po- stop everything and pump messages. So we would be going along on the UI thread, and we'd see, you know, we're assigning this pointer here, and we're, if we would be bugging this, and we'd see this happen, stop on it, and then we'd step over that. Now we just assign this variable, right? And immediately it was null. It was because assigning this variable called into a property that called into the new editor's managed com shims that, you know, passed through this com interop layer and pumped all the messages and all of a sudden tons of code ran, right? And, <laughs> and set everything to null. And, um, it's, it's classic, you know, it's re-entry, awesome. classic re-entry. Is that written on re-entry. April 1st? By and so this is the kind of bug that, the kind of bugs that we, we, or uh, design decisions, excuse me, that we, uh, <laughs> we ran into in this release. And that, is, that has changed. That design decision has been altered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We so made a no new decision. We made a new choice. Yes. <laughs> so, the bug was fixed. <laughs> that's called bug a bug. That bug was fixed. Yeah, yeah, that bug was fixed. <laughs> but that's an example of the kind of things we ran into. Yeah, yeah. So, this portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. We've been blown away by the uptake and the quick adoption of Silverlight. It's no secret, though, that the platform didn't provide for consistent integration with the web analytics services. Well, not anymore. As you might have already heard, Microsoft announced its Silverlight Analytics Framework, which solves the above-mentioned problem. But what's also interesting is that Telerik already provides support for the framework. Telerik's the first UI components vendor to offer handlers for the Silverlight Analytics Framework. Using RAD controls for Silverlight, you can immediately benefit from the advantages of the platform and start tracking the statistics of your applications. You can read details and download the handlers at telerik.com silverlight. And, hey, don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET Rocks on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash Telerik. 
what is the fundamental pattern architecture of IntelliSense? Like what, how, how many layers are there? And what, what, are you like a middleman where your IntelliSense thing is to some other process? Are you guys doing the analysis? Uh, yeah. So, um, the IntelliSense engine and the language services, uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of parts to it. Well, I mean, the first part is, you know, should we even show IntelliSense here, right? Right. Um, I was talking with, with, uh, um, with, with somebody earlier tonight and, uh, explaining that in this, uh, one of the fundamental problems of IntelliSense is that you have to be able to, your parser needs to be able to work on broken code. Because mm-hmm. whenever you type dot, at that point, your code is not going to parse correctly. Right. It's not a, it's not a, a you know, a, an error-free C-sharp or VB file at that right. point. Right. And, and so, sometimes the errors are kind of funny, yeah. actually, when it doesn't understand what the heck you're talking about. Yeah. So the first thing is you need to have a parser with, you know, solid error recovery. Right. right? Um, just to be able to figure out what to show. And then it's a matter of going through, you know, the symbol tables of the compiler and pulling through all this and doing all of this analysis to figure out what needs to show at this point. Mm. Um, and that could be dotting into an identifier and saying, okay, this is, you know, figuring out that this is an instance of some type and I need to show these members, oh, and the members down the base class and all of this, you know, this kind of work. And then we mm. tell the editor, hey, it's time to show IntelliSense. Here's what, uh, the, in the IntelliSense API would be called a completion set. To show here, and then um, here are the the commit characters that it's going to operate on. There's a whole ton of uh, yeah. of decisions that are made. So, the, and the language service primarily drives it. Yeah, um, which is why in C sharp, IntelliSense is vastly different from VB IntelliSense. Hmm. Which seems counterintuitive. Shouldn't there just be one IntelliSense? Oh man, I I totally disagree. So the languages, <laughs> I I, I um. Uh, you know, I've worked on when I came to Microsoft. Uh, I was a C sharp MVP. Mm-hmm. I was interviewing for an F sharp Dev position, and for a lot of this release, I worked primarily on on the VB IDE. Nice. Okay. So obviously, and, in your role, in, yeah, in your role you plan. Well, for I think all what along. you're saying is you've got a perspective here on all these different languages and what they require IntelliSense wise. That's where I'm going with this. So the, what I've I've seen in this and in, in working with these multi, these different languages that each language has its own culture, its own style, mm-hmm. its own cultural kind of choices for what it's going to. Display here, um, and and C sharp, you know, strives to be you know as correct as possible. And this this location, you're going to see, you know, and, and with as much information as possible. And VB will try to, you know, uh, you know, tailor the list to show something that's uh, I want to say that's that's better in the situation, that sort of thing. There's a lot more custom special lists for various parts of the code that VB will show that that C sharp won't. Yeah. Like so, VB, you're signing to a, a boolean variable; it'll only show true and false. For example, mm-hmm. where C sharp will show show the universe, yeah. um, and those are those are really kind of cultural and, and different decisions that are made based on kind of what those coders like to see. Hmm. And so, I mean, there's there's definitely a, a reason to have a different IntelliSense experience mm-hmm. uh, for the different languages. Okay. But, All right, but Fair it's enough. actually the same engine; it's just different rule sets. Yeah. Okay. In a sense. Yeah. Uh, different. Same. Same presenter. Ah. Okay. okay. Different data. Uh, different data, and literally, that, that sounds like a lot of little tweaking. Mm-hmm. Just. Like, is it forked or is it you know you don't have switch statements everywhere in there? Oh, for no, that's not it's not the same code. So the yeah. language services are completely different code bases. Yeah, okay, yeah, each about totaling. If you want to get the stats, I think each totals about three hundred thousand lines of code. So some new features of uh, the IDE that that you're very proud of um, that you like to talk about on the IntelliSense side. Uh, I'm very proud of uh, the completion list filtering that we did. So we now have like substring filtering in C sharp. Uh, and VB. So if you type like, if you're in, you know, console dot line, it'll show like read line and write line, for example. Uh, so there's now oh. filtering like that. Uh, and also some kind of power user tools that, uh, kind of like, uh, for, for IntelliSense as well, like, uh, filtering on, on camel case 
Do you know what I'm you yeah, familiar sure. with that? So you type all capital letters and it'll match the so dot capital you know console dot capital W capital L would match console dot right line. Oh neat. Yeah, oh interesting. Stuff neat. like that. Um kind of going off the same thing, we had a feature uh that I was partly responsible called Navigate Two, which is about um kind of getting fast navigation around symbols and files in a in a solution. Um, and so it, it brings up a dialogue that kind of fills with those. But then you can type the same kinds of queries that you might type in IntelliSense. Like I could type line and find, you know, a read line and write line out there. Or I could use camel case uh, uh, kind of searching in there as well. And you just type navigate to in the code or is this an no, option in the IDE? No, you type control comma is the shortcut for oh. navigate to, the navigate to dialogue. Okay. So type control comma, Carl, and you'll – I will try. And, send me and this works in all languages? Uh, it works in C++, C Sharp, and VB. Cool. And the other part of that is that it's multi-language. So if you have a solution with multiple languages, it'll fill with the symbols of all three of those. And that's basically yeah. everything that you can do shows up in that box yeah. at it's, that it's point. Every member, every type, um, and all the files. That's a and long then, list. Yeah, and then it's extensible as well. So you can add providers to it um, wow. to show other things if you want to. I could put a... I could put a I could put a Bing search in there. That sounds like a very code rushy thing to do. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, there's a segue for us. Oh, but, oh. you know. <laughs> so you got to tell the you got to tell the story here because you there was a time when you didn't work for Microsoft. That's right. We we didn't talk about that. So, um, oh man, before I was at Microsoft, I worked for a company called DevExpress. And uh, I was a developer lead for a product called uh, Code Rush. Ah. ah. Oh. Wow. Thank you. And yeah. uh, that means you met, you worked with a certain uh, Mr. Mark Miller, <laughs> if I He's recall. a little crazy. Uh, yeah. He is a little crazy. <laughs> um, now, tell us about meeting Mark. I mean, how did you, how did you end up there? Oh, wow. So I, uh, I met Mark back in, oh, God, about 10 years ago. 2001, maybe. I was at mm-hmm. a one of the worst-named conferences of all time. For those that weren't in the Borland world working on Delphi, which is what I was doing at the time, uh, they had these conferences called Borcon. Borcon! Borcon, yeah. Uh, it's Bork. The worst, <laughs> Let's go to Borcon. Worst name for a conference ever. Uh, Should have called it Conland. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I met Mark, and I became a customer of Code Rush for Delphi. Right. And many it, people don't, he, might not know that that product existed before. Originally it was, was for Delphi. Right. I, when I met Mark, he was, he was doing Code Rush for Delphi. Yeah. And, and he used to do those demos where his Code Rush was always about fewer keystrokes to get your code written, right? Mm-hmm. And he'd always do these demos where he'd race a regular developer using Delphi, yep. and he'd be using chopsticks. And he'd write code faster than the guy using the keyboard normally. <laughs> Just and not only that, but he'd be talking the whole time and torturing right. the guy while he's typing with chopsticks. Yeah. Like it, it was yeah, when I say absurd. he's crazy, he's crazy in a smart, crazy way. Yeah, no, he's crazy in that other way too. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> sort of stab you in the face kind of way too. <laughs> Uh, so is it about sharing a hotel room or something? Oh, so, so anyways, so let's continue with the story. So I met him at this conference. We became, uh, I wouldn't say friends, but I became a customer of Code Rush, and we started working together over email. He would send me like Code Rush plugins that he had, you know, kind of gotten halfway there, and said, "Here, go finish this," and uh, and I would. You know, gladly do that. I was, you know, enamored with Mark. I thought he was just, uh, he was just brilliant. He is just brilliant. He is uh, simply brilliant. Um, and so then. 
I kind of observed Mark and what he was doing and, and little hints that he would drop that he was working on a code rush for Visual Studio. Just kind of little hints like he, he put out a, for example, a plugin that would highlight, uh, uh, files in Delphi based on regex expressions. And he wrote some regex expressions to highlight a batch file. And that batch file that he showed in the example had GAC util, you know, code rush dot whatever. Who don't do that if you're working in studio? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So I, uh, I sent, uh, sent Mark an email and said, Hey, I know what you're doing. Right. <laughs> I know that you're working on this code rush for Visual Studio, and here's how I think you're doing it, and here's what I think you, you know it's going to look like, and, and all this. And I never heard a response uh, to that email. Uh, three months later, though, I got uh, a phone call out of the blue. This is now, I think, spring of 2003, and this phone call was like, "Hey, Dustin, it's Mark Miller." <laughs> and I was like, "Ah, <laughs> don't do that." Right? Uh, and he's like, have, "Have you been working in C sharp?" Right. And I was like, "Uh." Um, yeah, of course. No, right? <laughs> not at all. Right, I meant to. Uh, he's like, "Well, I need you out here right now. You know, we're, I'm working on this project. I need you out here." And, and oh, okay. And so I thought we were going to Los Angeles because that's where Mark lived. That's where his company Eagle Software was located. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I read Richter's book uh, that weekend. Flew out Monday. You learned C sharp in a weekend. I read right? the book. I read the book, and then I went and, and, and faked it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I know C sharp for sure. I've read Richter's book. Yeah, Does that count? I'm ready. Yeah. Um, and so I got out there, and, and and it turned out my ticket was to Vegas, which was kind of weird to me. I get out there, and he says, "Well, here's the secret. I'm selling my company, Dev Express, and and we're building Code Rush for Visual Studio, and you're living in an apartment with me for like two months while we kickstart this." And I was not prepared to live in a in an apartment with me. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's a little creepy. Um, He's 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 got a few ticks, um, I might say, <laughs> just a few, and uh, yeah. So that was that was uh, that was an experience, but it you know we kickstarted the product. Dude, you that can't was what stop we the to story do. there. Yeah. It's what we needed to do. There are there are many uh, inappropriate uh, stories <laughs> that we could tell. Well, we have editors. You know, we can bleep. <laughs> we can bleep if necessary. You won't, uh, and, and I'll get in trouble, and Mark will be mad. No, there were there were there were a lot of stories. I, in particular, remember uh, Mark has this. This, I'm sure you've experienced where you get in this, uh, he, he'd find something that just really got to you. Yeah. And so then yeah. he just starts. He finds the button and he keeps pushing. It's pushing just like, it. it's like, I find that button and he just like, kind of play with it, just kind of tweak it a little bit, you know, <laughs> turn it, you know, just playing That's around. And then, oh man, he would not let up. Yeah. And I finally just stood up and stomped off. I was like, you know what you're, you know, and whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, so what was, the, like, what was the button? <laughs> um, it was jazz music. Wow. You don't like jazz. I love jazz. You love jazz. Yeah. And he hates jazz. Yeah. So my degree is not in computer science, right? So it's in jazz guitar. the first time, oh, yeah, you so are professionally educated as a musician. I am a jazz uh, jazz musician, and, and we're so. going to hear some of that later. Oh, if that's okay with you. Yeah. So, all right. Um, the first time I got to tell you this story. The first time Mark Miller uh, took a ride in my Prius, he kind of lives near me now, and he he saw on the GPS system that there's a button called Mark. So, of course, he meant, hey, there's a button that calls Mark. I sh- that means you want me to press it. Boom. And it lays like a bomb, like right where we are. <laughs> you know, just drops a little thing on the map. And this is like the town I drive around in all the time. So I really don't want it filled up with little targets, you know. <laughs> so he goes, hey, that, that was cool. I should do that again. No, the button's still there, Carl. Let me just. And I'm like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just don't touch my <laughs> 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 uh, it's true though it is true he, he loves to push buttons absolutely yeah. Yeah. absolutely so it, it was uh five years working with him so yeah uh, so he was able two- to push those buttons over i am 
too. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's just amazing. Don't ever bring up the word goat, right. for example. Oh. No, not if your wife's in the room. No. No. <laughs> I believe just that one saying. alone. All right. Well, geez, I got nothing now. You dropped the goat bomb. Where I were you going to go? dropped the goat bomb. Uh, you can't go anywhere now. Yeah. You're done. Oh. All right. Where do you want to go? Where do I want to go? So, Dustin, can we hear, uh, can you play some guitar? Uh, I suppose I could. Let's, uh, would you like to hear? Yeah. yeah? All right. It's a 100% on the spot thing. 100%. It is 100%. Um, these chairs have arms. Is that going to be a problem? Do you want to move to a normal chair? Um, yeah. There's, there's a bunch of them around. But just Are see you going to play? play? No, I was going to play bass, but uh, here, I'll take that. I'll hold that for you. Oh. I was going to play bass, but um, we don't have the right hardware, the right cables and stuff. Oh, so that's, that's all right. Besides, this is your show. Is yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. Up to you, man. Wow us. I'll do this thing that was doing earlier.
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dustin Campbell. Thank you. On the spot. Wow. That's great stuff. On the spot. So no, what's you, next Carl. for you? What's, uh, what are you working on next besides uh, Visual <laughs> Studio 2017 or whatever it is? 2017. That is uh, sort of what I'm working on. Um, so I am working on something future past the next version of Visual Studio, something uh, kind of a big project that, that we've kind of hinted at at a couple of PDCs talking mm-hmm. about. You know, one thing we talked about was that, uh, that for example, Anders talked about at PDC 2008, was that mm. we're moving the compilers from native to managed code. Right. Um, one of the so you'd be able to call the compilers from code and do yeah. well, writing it, and coding yeah. and compiling and in your app. So at opening up the compilers and kind of the, the same parse trees and all that work and all that analysis that we do, um, you know, in, in IntelliSense, for example, opening that up uh, and making APIs for it wow. to be consumable from managed yeah. code. I, I guess I'm sort of wondering how many versions ahead are you guys? So you just shipped 2010, <laughs> I, right? I, which I which I think you also referred to as like Dev 10. It's the 10th edition mm-hmm. of Studio, and so then obviously there's a Dev 12, 10, 11, 12, mm-hmm. 13. Like I guess some of the things that are in 11 have got to be stuff that didn't make it into 10 for time reasons. Absolutely, there's right? plenty of that. And then so. do you think further ahead than that? Um, for the most part, I, I think I think sometimes that happens, but right now, uh, the only thing that we know is kind of future is this project. That right. We know we, ha- you know, this is this is the, something that's too big to fit in Dev eleven, right? Yeah. You know, it's just too big. So uh, we're optimistically calling it Dev twelve, but I, I can't promise that it will be there either. So right? you guys so. just think of features, and then you think of how long it'll take, and how many verbs you think it'll. That's a yeah, yeah, that's well, a pretty I good think, way I to think, think of that. You know, sometimes that's the case. I think in this case, it's such a big thing. I mean, right. so, I mean, you know, we're talking about rewriting the compilers, right? And that's that's a yeah, that's a, that's it's a, a small it's a, change. It's a weekend. Man. It's a weekend, right? But I'm very I mean, interested in code that writes code, yeah, and compiles it, and then can become part of the code base. Yeah, that to me is fascinating. Yeah. So, so those kinds of opportunities and scenarios open up, like DSL, metaprogramming, those mm. kinds of things we've talked about. We're not sure what that looks like yet, but that's something we're that's that's on the table. Right yeah. with this, um, but also um, on the IDE side, which is where I'm doing most of my work. So that's that's the compiler space. Yeah. On the IDE side, um, we're figuring out how we can open up those APIs to allow things like uh, um, to make it easier to say put out an extension like an editor extension today. We can do that in Visual Studio 2010. The editor is completely extensible by MF, and you can you can put you know very cool things in the editor, but how much more could you do if we would give you language analysis? So you could write mm. an extension that was a refactoring, for example, or mm. something like that. So there's a lot of uh, possibilities in there. That's a lot of what I'm thinking about right wow. now. Wow, great. Yeah. Well, we're just about out of time. I'd like to thank Dustin Campbell for being on the road trip, talking to you guys. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks! .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnet.com.
R-O-C-K-S dot com. Got a band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a, a time.